By live simulation via the internet, Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell. Blah blah blah. Blah, 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 blah. Hello, I'm Chris Honeywell, and this is Two True Freaks, and uh, I've got my co-host here. Hi, I'm Scott Gardner. I'm uh, the other co-host, and uh, on today's show, we're going to be top top ta- yeah tackling the topic. I can't talk today. Tackling, tackling and talking the top- about the topic. That's at the tip of yeah, our that's tongue. It. We're going to tackle Steven Spielberg. I'm going to knock him to the ground. And uh, no, we're just uh, we're going to be talking about Steven Spielberg, his filmology, and discussing uh, has he ever made a bad movie? And I, I think we have uh, some disagreement on that, at least one movie on our list. So uh, let's go ahead and get into it. We're starting pretty much at the beginning of uh of spielberg's career which uh i guess is a little bit arguable some people throw duel into that mix um but we're gonna start we're with gonna start uh movies sugarland express right yeah we'll start we'll start with uh with definitely where they started coming out in the movie theater just for the sake of people's sanity and the length of our show <laughs> that's true because the there's a lot that- of there's a lot of the TV shows that we, you know, I don't think I've ever seen the episode of Columbo that he directed. Well, yeah, also, I was going to say, there's a lot of peripheral stuff that, that he had serious involvement in with, you right. know, like uh, Gremlins and Poltergeist As and stuff. But we're pretty much producer. just going with, you know, theatrical releases. Yeah, yeah, where he directed it, yeah. So, Sugarland Express, uh, 1974. Now, before we get into this, this is what drives me crazy on this subject. This is the only thing that bothers me. No, it is. It's it. Well, anyway, yeah, yeah, that's right. There, there'll be a rant later on. But uh, for for me personally, what bugs me about getting into this right off the bat with Sugarland Express is I, I can't stand it when I listen to a show or a, or a topic comes up on, on other podcasts that profess to know, you know, the subject backwards and forwards and inside out. And then you listen to them and you realize these guys don't even know what the hell they're talking about. Now I know Steven Spielberg movies. I love Steven Spielberg movies. I've seen nearly all of them up to a certain point, 
Unfortunately, I haven't seen them all, and that kind of bugs me going into this topic. I really wish I well, had seen I. every every single movie on this list just so that we could be like super super informed. Yeah, but well. I think I think as this pertains to a nerd related podcast, I think we're well covered because uh, when it comes to the nerd movies, you know, your Close Encounters, your ET, your Indiana Jones, we are super informed on this shit. It's when you get to the ones that are a little off the beaten Nerd I've seen path, a few of you those. Know, color purple and that. I, I'm not so good with those. But, all right. So anyway, Sugarland Express. Uh, right out of the gate, have not seen this movie. Well, how about you? I've I've seen it a couple times, and it's really good. It's a chase movie. It's a it's a slow chase movie. It's like a O.J. Simpson. You know, a car. The uh, a young couple kidnap a cop. And they're going to pick up their their kid who's in a foster home, and uh, it's basically a slow. Uh, and they befriend the cop, and the thing I remember it's 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 got a lot of it, the basic Spielberg language was being developed in it for sure. There's one scene where they hole up in a RV uh, parking lot of an RV dealership, and they're in an RV, and. Uh, you know, they just get a sort of quiet moment in the movie, and they're they're sitting in the back of the RV, and in back of the dealership is a drive-in movie theater, and they're watching <laughs> a, a, a Roadrunner and Coyote cartoon uh, on the on the screen across the street. You know, as they as they are going to sleep, and that, I, that to several of his movies, and uh, you know, so yeah, it was it has a lot of the. And it's basically it was a low budget movie. It was very well directed. You know, he he was almost a full. You know, the first one out of the gate was as a fully formed filmmaker. You know, it, it had all. It was very, Goldie Hawn was very good in it. Don't I can't remember who played the cop. The cop, the guy, everybody was. The acting was very good. It was. Uh, you know, a very good. It was weird because as his first movie, it was a non-fantasy sort of uh, of movie. It was completely. Uh, who, it was based on a real story, so it was. Who's the male? More, it's more like one of his modern movies than one of his early movies. Who's the male lead in this movie? I can't remember. I can't remember. <laughs> I don't remember at all, and and you know I'm just too goddamn lazy to hit up like the internet movie database, you know, to to get you know a full <laughs> list of who's in it. You and lazy bastard! I don't care. You know, there's so many other ones that we're gonna blab about that I'm it's I'm just not gonna go too deep in. I mean, since the basic theme is, did he make a a bad movie? This one definitely is in the good is definitely a good movie. I I personally am the of the opinion. I'll start out right from the beginning. I don't think he ever made a bad movie. I don't think he ever made a movie that you would say this movie just sucks. Okay, you we know, I, I, I'll tell you right now we're gonna have some disagreement. I know. There, there, there I know. is one there is one movie. I know. On we'll my get list. to it. That we'll get to it. I'm not we'll going to repeat. I know you're chomp, 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 chomping at, I'm, I'm at the bit. I'm not going to reveal. I'm not going to spoil it for the for the listeners. They've got to listen and they've got to get to it. But I'm telling you, when we get to it, I'm going to go fucking go off on this movie because I can't stand this oh, I movie. Know. Okay. Um, oh, I know. Sadly, 
Sadly, the only thing I can find to say about uh, Sugarland Express is uh, as much as I absolutely love me some John Williams, that is one of the least listenable soundtracks in his uh, in his uh, repertoire, in my opinion. I I cannot listen to it. It's just got a sound to it that's like nails on a fucking chalkboard to me. Uh-huh. But, you know, and I can't say that too much about uh, John Williams, but that's one of them. I just, I, I can't listen to it. I really can't. But, uh, so anyway, moving on to what is our next one? Next one is Jaws, Jaws 1975. You know, not, not a bad movie. Can't not at all a bad, bad movie, movie category. You know, you see, I think, I think there's certain things about Spielberg that I don't like that pop up in his movies, and that's where I'm going to get my criticism in. But Jaws really isn't one of them that you can... I really can't think of anything to criticize, and it, it was... It totally worked on... I mean, the first time I saw Jaws, I saw it on a TV set, and uh, it still had me... You know, when the when the head comes rolling at the bottom out of the bottom of the boat, I still jumped <laughs> about two feet off my seat. Ben Gardner. Still, I remember his name because he has the same last name same as me. Same last name. Yeah. Yeah. No, I actually I've got a humorous. You were talking about the first time you saw Jaws. I've got a humorous story when it comes to Jaws. Is that the first time I saw Jaws? Now keep in mind, you know this came out sever, summer of '75, so I was all of seven years old when this movie came out. Seven fucking years old, going to see Jaws at the Black River Drive. Oh, I think my it was parents River never Drive. would have let me see it. My parents, you know, for for all the shit they give me, you know about being protective of my own kids now and the stuff that, you know, I let them watch and all. I watched some fucked up stuff as a kid and a lot of it my parents took me to. But uh, I remember seeing Jaws. I'm pretty sure it was at the Black River Drive-In Theater, you know, that, that summer of 75. It was the big thing that was out. We went to see it. Seven years old. Scared the bejesus out of me. The, I'm surprised you very, even will go in the water again. The very, very next weekend, they took me to Lake Bonaparte. <laughs> you could not have picked me up and heaved me in the fucking water. There was no goddamn <laughs> way I was going in that water. It's, and there, and you know, I was. Yeah, I, it's I, a freshwater lake. It, uh, even so, I, yeah. Freshwater, saltwater, fucking sharks. That was <laughs> the water. You know, I sat on the on the rocks the entire time, and my, everybody's looking at me like, sure. "What's the matter with Scotty? Why won't he go swimming? What the hell do you think?" And you know, I'm seven years old looking and just for dorsal fins. Fucking legs chewed off. No, no, hell no. I'm not going in the water. And to this day, I won't swim in the ocean. I I, I don't do open bodies of water. Fuck that shit. And it's all it's all to blame on uh, on Steven Spielberg and Peter Benchley. Well, here's here's just to, to a, a little aside of something interesting I heard in the news is there's uh, these bull sharks that are attacking people a lot more, and they used to be very docile and just generally left humans alone. But I can't remember if it's if it's Mexico, Central America, maybe I can't remember what country it is. But anyway, like the 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 drug cartels dump all their bodies in in the ocean and the bull sharks have been eating like human bodies and now recognize human bodies as food <laughs> so now they're starting to go after some fre you know some fresher meat oh, great but but not you know there, there's like actually been a sort of a sort of change with the where the sharks have figured out you know <laughs> that humans are food 
which, uh, yeah, so I'm not about to go in the ocean anytime soon either. Well, uh, now, this is way the hell off the beaten path, but uh, do you read The Punisher by any chance, the the Marvel Max book, the, the adult one? No. They, they just had a story recently that was that, that very thing of people getting fed, fed to sharks. Fed to the yeah, sharks. Yeah, the, the Punisher is <laughs> feeding all the bad guys to the sharks at the end of the, at the, end of the story. It was pretty cool. But uh, just looking here, uh, Jaws, first, uh, first, at least on my list anyway, first, jo- uh, first Spielberg movie that was nominated for Best Picture. Now, what do you, uh, what do you think about that? Oh, sure. It definitely... It definitely does deserve that kind of consideration because when you look at it, even when you look at it now, it's just very well acted. It's got the, it's like I said before, right out of the gate, Spielberg sort of had his, his whole visual language developed and you would start seeing, you know, the great moving camera shots and, and, he was just all about getting really good actors and having the camera moves and the and the acting and everything all line up and always having several levels of things going on in every shot and with the dialogue even if it's just something really simple there was always something that you know there was a little reaction from an actor or something that would that would, that would add a little something more to the scene a little special to the scene and just you know and I mean some of the best parts of the movie were um, everybody comparing their scars you know in the cabin just the scene between those three actors and uh, you know it's as much as the shark eating people and fighting the shark that that scene stands out as a really good scene or where Quint drags his fingers down the chalkboard you know or where they're pulling Pulling all the stuff out of the stomach of the shark. Yeah, I'm probably too close to it to. Uh, th- this is one of those movies I can't cr- uh, accurately criticize because I just can't find fault with it. I've seen it so many times. Sure. It- it's one of those, you know, it- it- it's in an elite category of movies that any time I run across that movie playing, you know, whether it's on TV or you know some video store, what. I will I will end up standing there and watching it. It doesn't even matter what part of the movie it's at. It, it sucks me right in. I've seen it hundreds and hundreds of times, and I'll, I'll still watch it because it, it just sucks me. Right. I love that movie. It's a it's just a damn fine movie. It really is. And I off the top of my head, I can't I can't think of any part of that movie I don't like. I mean, I, I just really like it. Now looking here, I found a list of uh, Academy Award winners. And for that particular year that Jaws was nominated for Best Picture, the actual winner was One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. What, what do you? Which is my favorite movie of all time. Is it time. really? Yes. Not, that's my number one favorite movie and favorite book of all time. I did not know that. Yeah. Man, all, this, all these years we've been friends, I did not know that was your favorite movie. And, you well, know, I, I, I mean, guess that... Come on, Star Wars is the most influential movie in my life. But as far as like, I just I I love that movie. I love the book. I love the the story and the way it's told, and the whole you, you idea of it. Answered. You answered my next question, which would would have been, what do you think? You know, do you think that the 
it, it was better or, or worse. I guess couldn't, I couldn't be beaten by a better movie. It couldn't have been beaten by a better movie. Because it's no secret, I, I think, at least between you and I, that I fucking hate the Academy Awards. You know, I, I, wow. I always, always disagree with their decisions. I, I think that they go with, with generally go with shitty movies. But on this particular one, I, I can't make an informed decision. I, I saw One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest one time. I'm pretty sure it was with you at your insistence. And I was really too young to understand and appreciate what what the hell I was even watching so I'd really need to see it again one of these days to to get it you know what I mean because right. I, I we, we had to be when I saw it I, I don't know what age well, I was but I watched it and it was like eh and now you know? and, and the acting in that one too there's Jack Nicholson in the lead it's got one of my favorite um, character actors and I can't remember his last name Will Sampson I think who plays the chief it's got a young Danny DeVito. It's got a young Christopher Lloyd in it. Okay. All playing mental patients, so they're all just goofy. It's just one wonderfully everything. Kind of a dark ending. All right, bit. next. Uh, <laughs> we should just next yeah, movie. Should. I do remember the. I do remember the ending. Yeah, I do remember that one. All right, next one on uh, on the list, another one of my absolutely favorite movies of all time, um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, released originally released in 1977, nominated for uh, Best Director, and I don't know what movie won that. One. I'm just at I'm looking at a list of Best Pictures, but I don't have Best Director here. I don't know what won over it. I do know that. Uh, the movies that were nominated for Best Picture in that same year. And this, this 1977 sums up for me why I fucking hate the Academy Awards. Because here's the movies nominated that year. The Turning Point, never seen it. Julia, never seen it. The Goodbye Girl, that was a good movie. I've seen that. That's a uh, uh, Richard Dreyfuss movie. Neil Simon. Star Wars. Star Wars. The original Star Wars. And, of course, the winner, Annie fucking Hall. <laughs> La-dee-da. La-dee-da. I hate that goddamn movie. I fucking hate that <laughs> And, you know, I was I a like kid. I like Annie Hall was one of my first drive. My parents went to see it at the drive-in, and it was one the first movie I saw at a drive-in, and it had swearing in it, so it w had a big effect on me. So let me see. The Academy Awards generally play in what what month? Like, I, I can't know, Honestly, I don't really pay that much attention to them because it's such a big blowjob that it doesn't yeah. really matter to me anymore. So, anyway, this was when the Academy Awards for this particular Academy Award. It says 1977, so I'm going to assume it was on TV in 1977. Star Wars is on sure. the list. So if it's 1977, Star Wars came out in May. If, if this is when it was actually televised, then I was nine years old. At nine years old, I made the decision watching the Academy Awards that if Star Wars did not get the Best Picture Award, I was, I, I, I was losing all <laughs> faith and i was never ever ever gonna fucking watch the academy awards again of course it didn't win it won to any fucking hall and i literally have not watched i don't think more than five minutes of any 
Academy Awards that have ever come beyond that movie. No matter how much a movie that I liked or cared about came out, I might have watched you know a couple minutes of like best score, which oh you know that that's another fucking rant because what's his uh, John Williams always gets screwed on that too. So I I have absolutely zero faith in the Academy. Uh, you know, Awards. yeah. I mean, if it's but, if I, it's but I'm pop- gonna. I'm sorry. If it's popular, you know, if it's it is it is sort of a popularity contest, but it's a popularity contest amongst those who vote. Not that, right. The, the, it seems like if something makes a lot of money and sort of appeals to a lot of people, it often isn't given an Academy Award because right. they've decided that they'd rather give it to somebody who's they've already made a lot of money and right. it's all just a big it's all just people way overthinking it and it's well, just I'm going to continue to interject it into this conversation only because it plays towards the movie that I'm going to rant about when we yeah, get Yeah, I know. So now I know I know you know where I'm going with this. Don't so anyway, your uh, hand too soon. The uh so close encounters of the third kind. Now you know a lot of people give George Lucas a lot of shit about his special editions you know his, his his special edition treatment of the Star Wars the original Star Wars trilogy but you know really to me that that has to kind of go back and it may go back even further than this but it has to go back to at least close encounters because close sure, that, that sort of started the special edition. To, to my mind, Close Encounters has at least three distinct versions of the same movie. Now, I don't mind it with this one because there's actually a, a version I like a lot better than either of the theatrical. There was a theatrical version, the one that came out in 77, and then the, the special edition came out what? Was it the next year or was it a couple years later? It was a couple years later. And they jazzed it up. They they cut some scenes, which I that pisses me off when they do that. But they added some really good scenes. They added the uh, uh, epoxy scene in the desert where they find the epoxy ship, right. you know, in the middle of the desert. That was really cool. They added some other parts, but they cut some parts, and that that annoys me. I don't know why you know why you would cut some stuff and then add some stuff. But then there ended up being a version. That was basically an amalgam of everything that existed. It was, you know, they they threw in the stuff that was cut, they threw in the new stuff, and they threw in some stuff that was in the the TV versions when that came out. Because when you know, back when movies used to come to TV, a lot of times Star uh, Wars. Yeah, Superman the movie is a perfect example of this. My favorite version of Superman the movie is the KCOP. Uh, television station version because it it's the longest cut. It's got everything in it. I mean, everything that was filmed basically is in the, that version of Superman, and it's great. You know, it runs like I don't know three hours or something, but it's a it's just great because it's got every clip is in the movie, and that's what I want. If you're gonna film it, throw it in there. I want to see it. You know, you don't don't feel you gotta whittle it down for me. I mean, if it's a damn good movie, I don't mind sitting there for three four hours. You know, but anyway. So my favorite version of Close Encounters is, is the long version, the, the one that that's basically combines everything. But uh, I got a while back, I got the set that was three different versions of it, and I didn't watch all. <laughs> I didn't watch all three versions, but I did watch the special features that were on each disc, 
And Spielberg was explaining basically how even though he's the one that went in and did the special edition, the second release, the big thing, the big part that was added to the special edition was when Roy goes into the mothership right. at the end. And he was talking about how he really did that under like studio pressure and he didn't really want to do it and all that. And he felt it was kind of a cop out because it was like if we had gotten like a really good look at the shark and Jaws, how it probably right, wouldn't. to leave some mystery there. Yeah, and I don't, you know, I see his point. I, I do see exactly where he's coming from. But in this particular instance, I, I, I kind of have to say that I think he's wrong. That I think you, you had to have a little bit of payoff, you know? Because to me, he see, I guess his his angle on it was that he didn't think it was good enough that, you know, we finally got to look inside the ship and then it wasn't all that cool. But I, I disagree. I mean, I think that look inside the ship, I mean, it's only a couple of minutes and it's still, it's still just a big tease. I mean, you know, you don't, it's, you don't see yeah, right. enough to ruin anything. I mean, I thought it was amazing. I, I really, I like that cut. I like that he goes inside the ship, you know, because I think watching the other version where he goes up the ramp and that's basically the end of the movie. I always feel a little bit cheated. I'm like, well, damn, I want to see where he's going, you know? And with the special edition, you, you get just a smidgen of that, you know? You don't go to the, their planet and you don't see him go, you know, sit down with them or whatever go, happens next. But you do see him at least go into the first chamber of the ship. And I, I think that's pretty cool. I, I like that. I'm glad. I'm glad that version is out there. I thought it was cool. It never really did anything wonderful for me, but it didn't like it. Didn't see it when he put it together. It didn't seem tacked on, or uh, it didn't. It it you know it didn't. It didn't take. I I didn't feel like it was unnecessary, but I like the 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 parts of that movie that I liked the best were actually sort of in the middle of the movie. You know, when they're just starting to try to figure out what's going on, when when he's having trouble with his, when, you know, his family's sort of breaking apart. Yeah. And he's trying to figure, you know, he's obsessed and he's trying to figure out what's going on. And finally, he just eventually says, I have to keep my family together, but he just can't do it. You know, he can't stop you know what he's seeing in his head and those are those are my favorite parts i think um i think richard dreyfus was just very good he, yeah yeah he, he was he was a really good actor his character was very well drawn and you know it was uh, Spiel, the spielberg movies when i was a kid were the first movies that i would see that had I don't want to say a documentary feel to him, but they had a realism to him. You know, he would throw... When there was an ad on TV, he didn't film a, uh, you know, some crappy, weird, bizarre brand name, his own commercial. He put a Budweiser commercial that you'd seen a million times come on, and Bugs Bunny cartoons, stuff that you would really see on TV. And it, and it just... And, uh, you know, there were just there was sort of an with the way he directed kids and families there was always he always got a sort of ease to where you really thought these people were a family and they'd been together for year you yep. know their whole lives and uh so his his movies always almost had a 
more realistic feel than than most movies. You know, he he kept the com the the dialogue more like real dialogue, and it never got too. Even when it got melodramatic, it got melodramatic for a good reason because something really melodramatic was happening, which would happen in real life. You know. That's a good point. I mean, everybody, uh, except maybe arguably for Terry Gar, everybody in that movie seems very real to me and, and, uh-huh. and very, very human. Terry Gar, and I. I... Hello. Whoops. Did you lose me? Sorry about that. I don't Something know if it. There. Yeah, it was me. I accidentally muted myself. Terry Gar. Oh. Are we back? Are we back? Yeah, yeah, I think we're back. Oh. What, what, what were you I'll, ranting about? I'll I'll wake up now. Um, yeah, about every once about in a while Gar. we're gonna get those those technical glitches and. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Especially these not, first few episodes. It's not that I don't like her. I, I do like Terry Gar. It's just I don't. I maybe maybe she was purposely directed to be this way, but she just comes across as really fucking annoying. And you know, she you know with That's her shallow. Yeah, she's shallow, and she just—I don't know. She she seems more like she's Terry Gar than she does like she's a character. Because everything you see her in, she's kind of the ditzy blonde. She's kind yeah. of out of it, you know. Like she's not really terribly smart, you know. And and that she's just like that in this movie. And I get the feeling from everything I've ever seen her in that she's kind of like that in real life. So watching her in that movie, she kind of any scene she's in, she kind of takes me out of it just a little bit because I'm seeing Terry Gar and I'm not seeing a character. You know right. what I you know what I mean? So I you know that really that's about the only complaint I can really say about the movie because I, I love everything else about it. I mean, there's there's several scenes I really really like, you know that are that are classic. Spielberg and cl- just classic movies to me. Like uh, I, I love the scene where uh, where Roy runs out of the house in the middle of the night, and he's you know he goes to the swing set and he's screaming into the sky. You know what is it? You know he can't figure out what the uh, uh-huh. what the image what the image in his mind, and you know the John Williams music. You know that's another thing with with this movie. You know a lot of people talk about you know Williams music how it made Jaws. And how in so many later Spielberg and Lucas movies, you know, John Williams, the music is is just as much a character in the movie as any of the actors. But really, you know, as much as that's true in Jaws, I think that this movie, Close Encounters, is really the first movie where where the the music is a character in the movie. Because Jaws, it's, it's a great score. But it is just a score, you know. That you know, other than the dun 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 dun, yeah, you know, the, that, the, that tells the you that theme. the shark is present. You know, yes, that you know the the music is the shark in that part. But in Close Encounters, the, I mean, the music really is another There's character. Some creepy and, you know, music of, in that. Oh yeah. When I was yeah, a kid, I'm, I used to have I used to have my parents' old turntable, and I would just put the soundtrack, you know, side one of the soundtrack to Close Encounters and it would go to the end and it would cycle over and play it over again. Mm-hmm. And it would wake, you know, it had that slow build at the beginning that would end in this big string crescendo. Vroom, and I would wake up, <laughs> snap up out of sleep <laughs> and go, go back to sleep and 
you know, 25 minutes later. Vroom. I love that, yeah, them. that that's a great great soundtrack. And you know, I just saw Close Encounters like a week ago maybe. Oh really? And oh yeah, and what was really funny is when I was a kid and I saw that when when Roy was becoming obsessed and his family was falling apart, I never questioned that for a, for a second, you know, I never questioned like this guy's insane, you know, I just felt sorry for him that, you know, that because he he knew you know he knew something and when i watched it as an adult i was like man this guy's going nuts he's sweating and you know i yep. mean I, I i i i i was feeling a lot more for his family as an adult watching it going oh man you know his family completely thinks he's going through a midlife crisis breakdown you know and and are, are, are in crisis, whereas then I was just like, man, that's really mean of his family not to believe him, you know, but who is going to believe him, you know, especially since he didn't even know what was going on. The only part that really changed for me as an adult viewing it, you know, because, again, this is another movie like Star Wars that I saw when I was a kid, you know, at, at nine or ten years old. About the only thing that really changed for me from, a you know, in, a, in an adult perspective is... I never really thought about it, I guess, as a kid, the fact that he does just abandon his family. You know, I mean, granted, granted, she takes the kids and leaves him, but still in the long run, I mean, he leaves. At the very the end of the movie, planet. he gets in the UFO and flies away. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, and that's he, what that's Spielberg said in an interview that I saw directly after this. He said that, that the only thing that. He like if he made this movie as a, as now that he has he didn't have a family then, and he was a younger man. He said he he would really have thought about whether Roy he did that doesn't think he would have got had Roy get into the spaceship and fly off and abandon his family. He would have made him choose his family as an adult. But you know, as a younger filmmaker, he's like you know I I he felt like you know. That's what he would have done. <laughs> he would have gotten in the spaceship and flown off and now is an adult. I think it's a older. reflection of the times, too. I think anybody at the time who was interested in UFOs or, you know, the, the, the culture of, you know, the UFO thing was really just starting to come into its own. I, I think yeah. a lot of people in the culture felt that way that, you know, if E.T. ever like, man, I'd get on that ship. You know, that was before. There wasn't, there wasn't as much of an association with probing at that point, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, now, it, nowadays you go into UFO, you're getting probed. Well, you know, it, it had been a long time since you know those kind of movies were out. You know, the like War of the Worlds and the Thing from Another right. World and shit like that. You know that that here was a movie that presented ET as oh, he's cute. You know, it's a cute he's little. A, he's cute little He's another alien. creature trying to uh, uh it's it's another it's yeah it's another culture and creature trying to communicate and, and at that and time it, i you know it's very hopeful I, I think people really did have that mindset that you know yeah the aliens are they're out there and you know we hope they land and and now i i wonder i don't know that it's still the same way i think a lot more people i think the culture's changed to where we'd be a little more like i don't know man i don't want them sticking anything up my ass so you know yeah it's it's more of it's more of a probe scenario now or a independence day scenario yeah. you know yeah when, when you're dealing with aliens 
But I, I think that it movie's a, a, you know, I think it really, I think it still holds up. You know, I, I think it's still really a good movie, and I think it's a nice little oh, sure. time capsule of that area in in ufology. You know, I I, I enjoy it. I, I watched it. A, it's probably. A, couple months ago now i watched it and then tried to watch it with my boys and they both ended up conking out toward the end of it but <laughs> but uh I it's st- a long one it is long but i still enjoy it i really do i get a kick out of it and i, I like watching it for all the little cameos of people that i either didn't know at the time like uh jay allen hynek is in there or people that later yep. on became you know stars like uh lance henriksen is in there very, very briefly, you know, back when nobody would have known who the hell he even was, you know, and he went on to, you know, be a you know, bishop and aliens and, you know, stuff like that. So, right. You know, I, I get a kick out of some of the, some of the little things like that. Um, you know, All right. move on to the next. So we move on. 1941. 1941. Now this would be a lot of people's contender for a bad movie. I think it's like one of the worst Spielberg movies, but that still doesn't make it a bad movie. It's watch I watch it and enjoy it. There are definitely things that I don't like about this movie. He he definitely I think he was feeling bulletproof at this point and was like I'm going to make a comedy and he thought if he just threw money at it it would be funny and it wasn't it was still it was funny, but you know it would have been a lot funnier if he would have focused on the comedy rather than how the how the Ferris wheeler was gonna roll down the pier into the and man that guy on the ferris wheeler wheel with the with the dummy I love dummies, I love puppets that guy was annoying yeah. he was like doing some sort of third rate Jerry Lewis impression and it was just like okay, it's it's sort of the Adam Sandler. He was like syndrome Simon. of like if you talk in, if you talk in a silly voice, you're funny. Well, it wasn't very funny. He was like simultaneously trying to be Jerry Lewis and uh, uh, Edgar Bergen at the same time, and it just didn't. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. Not at all. I'd forgot about that guy. Yeah, that's that's one of the things I hate the most about that movie. I love I love the fact that Slim Pickens is in it. I lo- I love the Jaws parody at the beginning, is great. I and I guess whole- what I like about that movie is I I'm a sucker for that era of of American history. You know the the whole World War Two and sure. you know pre World War Two especially. You know that whole era. And, and he got the look of it. Oh down. yeah, absolutely. That's what I like it. about that movie is it's very believable as 1940. You know the era of 1941. Yes. They got down the look. They got down the culture. And uh, it's not my least favorite, but it's not my most favorite by any stretch. It falls somewhere yeah. kind of in the middle, you know. I mean, there's other ones I, I, I like a lot least, you know, a lot less than that one. So, but yeah, it's uh, it's one I actually and, need and to watch was, again. I haven't seen it in a long, long time. But the last time I saw it, it came, I was like, yeah, it's not so bad. When it came out, there was a big focus that John Belushi was in it, and he really was like. A minor character in it and he was so probably blown out on coke then that you know he wasn't really acting as much as just sort of barreling through it well also and it his- reminds me in that movie it's it's like he's playing the exact same character from animal house you know he doesn't even seem oh yeah he's just character he's just getting a paycheck he was just you know he was probably he was you know he had bad drug problems and it it shows in that movie and i 
I and I I love the Blues Brothers movie, but you can tell that he's not at a hundred percent of his game in the Blues Brothers movie at all. You know, there's parts where he's really good, but there's parts where you can see that he he's just not physically well. But yeah. That's about all I can really say about 1941 yeah, because too. I don't really it, – it's not not his most memorable movie. But I remember like the couple times I've seen it, I was like, it's not as bad as it was made out to be. No, abs- you know, absolutely. Was huge abs- expectations for it. But if you put those aside, it's not, the, it's not the worst movie to come down the pike. It's better than a lot of comedies. It was definitely one of his – failed maybe a failed experiment but even a failed experiment with the spielberg attention to detail and and music and filming it just it still stands out over most other movies so it's not the best spielberg movie but not a bad movie by any no no i i I don't I don't, i don't think it's the train wreck that it's been made out to be but now we have uh, 1981 Raiders of the Lost Ark. Absolutely. And uh, in my opinion, it's one of those. It's a. It's it's literally a perfect movie. There isn't a bad. There isn't a. Every everything in it fits perfectly. Absolutely. Everything works in perfect harmony with the music, the acting, the writing, the camera work, the humor. John Williams score. The, I mean, when when I my mother dragged me to see that movie, I wasn't interested in it because it was oh, you know that's funny space related. Yeah, that's oh, that's and, so funny that you say that because I, I was saving this, but you know that 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 I've got a good story about Raiders is uh, now I don't know why really because really the only space related movie that Spielberg had done was Close Encounters, but maybe it's because it also had Harrison yeah. Ford in it. But for some reason. I felt right. cheated when this movie came out because it was going to take place not only on Earth, but it was going to take place, you know, back in the, th- in the past. And I just didn't give a shit as a kid. This movie yeah. was coming out and I was like, Me neither. I just didn't. As a matter of fact, it, Raiders, as much as I'm a, a big Indiana Jones fan today and I love the whole franchise, especially this movie, I, I'm ashamed to say that. I didn't see Raiders when it came out. I actually saw it on – what did they call that when movies would come back like a year or two later at the at the theater? At, yeah, re-release. Yeah, re-release. Yeah, re-release. Sure. Second, second yeah, I run. saw it when it came back to the Black River Drive-In on a re-release several years later. And uh, I, I might not have even gone to – Oh, you liked it. I think you liked oh, it, I right? I loved it, yeah. And, and <laughs> yeah, I know. Once I, once I had seen it. I was like, damn, you know, because, well, also what hurt it was, uh, I mean, we could fill the rest of this episode with just stories about you and your whip. Oh God, don't even, don't, <laughs> don't even go there. You're going to reveal just how much of a freak I am, but, uh, exactly. Slowly, but no, I mean, surely. you know, well, what, what also ruined it for me as far as wanting to go see it was, uh, Marvel comics put out a, I think it was a three issue adaption and I, I can't Something remember like who that. the artist was. I want to say it might have been Howard Chaik, and I can't. Anyway, it. God Almighty, the art was fucking was horrible. Terrible. Indy didn't look like Indy. He didn't have scruff. It, it looked like 
I mean, it looked like kids drive. I mean, it really looked like shit. And if it, if it's Howard Chaykin, I apologize because I love Howard Chaykin. His Shadow series was was gorgeous, but this adaption just sucked ass. It was horrible, and it was probably hurry. You know, seeing as that was the only basis I had for whether I wanted to see it or not, beyond like trailers and shit. I just had zero interest. It just looked like shit to me. It just looked like something I just would not care to see. And I I wish I could remember what the double bill with Raiders was because I bet you I didn't even go to the to the drive-in to see Raiders. I bet you I went to see whatever the other right. movie was. But I saw Raiders, and once I saw it, man, I'm telling you, you know, for the next several years, you know, I wore a – I wore a you know, a fedora-like fedora. hat. You know, I, I went out and found myself a bull whip and learned how to use. I mean, I became like an Indiana Jones. Freak, yeah, man. there's pictures to oh, prove it all, too. Nice. You keep your pictures hit. <laughs> Better yet, send them, send them to me. I'll, I'll deal with them. But no, you're right. I, I was, I was yeah, a total exactly. indie freak. I mean, I really was. I mean, that was, you know, that was like early cosplay because I, I just wanted to fucking be Indiana Jones. You know, I. I read every archaeology book I could get my hands on, and I got all fascinated with the Ark and, you know, read everything in the Bible there was that referenced the Ark. I mean, I really got into it, man. I loved that first movie. I, I was a serious Indiana Jones nut for that movie. And I, I'm, I'm ashamed to say that when it when it was released, I was just like, meh, eh, don't, don't care. Yeah, I was like that too. And my mother recognized it. As something she knew that it would be something that we'd end up liking she took the whole and my mother was the one who usually was kind of the censor she was the kind of one who didn't want to see in like violent movies or R-rated movies but I think Raiders was rated PG but I, I remember going to see it and being just shocked at how it violent wa it, it was because you know, how much how much violence it was and how it was just Brutally. Well, it wasn't until after <laughs> you know, uh, after yeah. all the hubbub over its sequel, The Temple of Doom, that that PG-13 thing came along. So, yeah, that was because PG movies sure. back then, they weren't the pussy movies they are today. Because uh, I remember Slapshot's no. a PG movie. And look at that fucking movie. Slapshot is yes, PG? It is. Oh, my P God. It would be an R for sure nowadays. Oh, hell yeah. They, they talk language. about, you know, I mean, you got to remember that this movie was made in the, the language in that is. You know, they, they not only do they say fuck like every other word, that movie's got tits in it. That movie talks about lesbianism. That movie talks about homosexuality. I mean, it has wicked, wicked fucking violence in it. And that movie was rated PG, man. That and was it, a movie you could take your kids to. Completely soulless violence, yeah. too. Pointless, plotless. And, you know, the more violent the characters got, the more successful they were. It was totally politically incorrect and hor horribly evil. And it's, you know, I almost piss my pants laughing every time I see it. I don't even have to see the gag happen. I just know when I know it's coming. As soon as I see someone on the on the organ going, then, 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 then. I love that. It's going to be awesome. But that's that's another whole movie. But yeah, Raiders of the Lost Ark yeah, is okay, perfect. I, I can't think of even even if it's gonna lead to Slapshot. There's nothing wrong with that. I can't think of anything about uh, about Raiders that I that I don't like. It even goes, you know, even some of the parts that don't hold up so well, like special effects wise or, or whatever. I, yeah, I still it doesn't can't matter. It. it goes right in. It, it's right in the just like canon of classic. 
classic movies that you know you should be studying in film school for forever. <laughs> yep. Of why of this is why a movie works. You know, this is how action works in a movie. You know, okay, okay, I'll I can I can I can nitpick one thing. When he's getting dragged by the truck by the whip. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, see, I watched this again. I watched it's this again right for the movie right before the new one came out. You know, I wanted to make sure that my kids were familiar with the character, so we went. We watched sure. the trilogy, and this is it's one of those movies where where the whole family will sit and watch this movie. You know, and so we all watched it, and that was one of the things my wife commented on was the part where he was getting dragged because I love that entire sequence from the moment. He uh -huh. rides out on the horse to the moment he pulls into the market. That entire sequence to me is one of the best fucking action sequences of any movie out there. Ever. Just, I yeah. like the fact that he gets pissed. He throws the fucking guys off the truck. He beats the piss out of that big guy and throws him out the you know that whole thing. But that one part where he gets dragged. Now I'm very forgiving of movies, but my wife looked at me and she's just like, "That's such bullshit." And it is. I mean, you know, he he just got oh yeah, tore fucking ribbons doing that. But still, you know, I guy and, I they, and they and you know they 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 undercranked it a little bit so it looked like he was moving faster. But you can see the sort of herky jerky going on, you know. Yeah, that um, does just like up. in the just like in the Road Warrior, you know that whole. But um, oh, what you know? Either way, <laughs> you can't. You just. I can forgive it. I can forget. Oh, yeah. About, yeah, about yeah. the only thing like that that I, I look at and it, and it kind of makes me cringe a little bit. And it's one of the reasons I, I kind of got a knock about all this, you know, HD and Blu-ray and all this bullshit they keep doing with trying to make shit look clearer and clearer and clearer all the time. Well, the problem is, is a lot of these older movies, the clearer and clearer you make them look, the more it hurts the movie. The more you see the flaws, yeah. <laughs> I, I can actually see, and I never could see this. People used to tell me this, and I thought they were full of shit, but I can actually see now the plate of glass that's between Harrison Ford and the Cobra. And the snake. And the yep. part where it falls down in the well of souls. I can actually see, and I never could see that before, but now I can't watch that movie and not fucking see it because it's so crystal clear on DVD, uh -huh. and it drives me nuts. <laughs> Because it, it takes me out of the movie. I realize that there's no there's no peril there, you know, and it, it, that bugs me. But that's not a fault of the movie, really. That's because the the new technology is so sophisticated that you know you you don't have any grime or blur or anything. You know, you don't you know. There's nothing to mask right. shit like that anymore. And it, that I think movies have kind of lost something when you know when I can see you know food particles at the back of his throat you know that that takes me out of the movie somehow you know what i mean i don't need it to be that clear i like that it looked like an old you know an old movie that you know you'd you'd have gone to the bijou to see back in the 30s exactly. you know? I, I liked that look of the movie and i don't want it crystal clear i don't know do we have anything else to say about raiders i think that falls into the definitely not a bad movie not at all Category. Moving on, oh, uh, before we uh, go along, uh, nominated for Best Picture and Best Director. And this is one of the first just absolute fucking crimes against Steven Spielberg, in my <laughs> opinion, because in 1981, it was up against for Best Picture anyway. I don't know about the other ones for Best Director, but the other, the competitors for Best Picture 
were Reds with Warren Beatty. Atlantic City, I have no idea what that movie is. It's very good. On Golden Pond, which actually I I actually could have lived with it losing to On Golden Pond. I, I actually I love that movie. I really do. As as gay as that probably makes me sound, I really liked that movie. Uh, that's one of those movies that just chokes me up. And Henry Fonda's a great actor. He reminds yeah. me so much of my grandfather in that movie. That's probably the reason I really like that movie is he really, really reminds me of my grandpa Gardner, who's sadly deceased now, but he, he really does remind me of him in that movie, and I think that's why I identify with that movie. Anyway, winner for Best Picture in 1981. Any guesses? I have no idea. I would have guessed on Golden Pond would have probably won it because it was... All right. Now, I shouldn't I, – I probably shouldn't talk shit about a movie that I've never seen more than five minutes of, but I can't fucking stand this movie, and I can't believe that Raiders of the Lost Ark lost to it and on Golden Pond. It was Chariots of Fire. Uh, Explain to me how a movie about a bunch of assholes running on a beach to a song that nobody likes is best picture over Raiders and on Golden Pond. It was foreign. Ah, fuck that shit. That's why I hate the Academy Awards. All right, moving on. <laughs> we go to, what year are we on? 1982. Now, this was the first movie I took my little sister to see at the at the movie theater. She must have been, let me see, 82. She would have been all of five years old. And she was so small that through the entire movie, I had to hold the theater seat down. So you can imagine how fucking sore my arm right. was by the time the movie was over. But if I let go of the seat, she'd fold up like a card table. So I had to hold the, the seat down the entire time. That's, that's my E.T. Well, that that's one of my memory. My other memory is I think this was one of the first movies... No, I take that back. The Empire Strikes Back was, I think, the first movie that you and I saw together at the theater, wasn't it? I think so. so but I know that we saw E.T. E together because we took our tape recorder and, and audio recorded E.T. Well, we saw it multiple times yeah, together. That's, that's true. That's true. But to this day, I cannot watch E.T. And see the part where the boys ride over the top of the government vehicles in that one part and knock like the lights off the top of it and everything. I can't, I can't right. watch that scene and not hear you laughing, because every time, I mean, I listened to that tape. You made, I enjoyed oh, that part. I know part. that you did. I know you did. And every listen to that <laughs> tape of that of the, our recording so much that I memorized the movie. But of course, I memorized it with like the audience laughing and crying and. You laugh. I'm telling you, Spielberg should get a copy of that because where else are you going to get a chance to hear E.T. at the time it came out with an audience full of little kids yep. reacting like an audience full of little, you know, being played like a an orchestra by Steven Spielberg. It, I mean, it's just riotous. It's I just dig riotous that laughter. I, and then I by the end, it's like dead silence because they're all crying. You can actually hear me. There was a couple kids that were being just assholes through the entire movie. And in the part where E.T. is either – he's either dying or he's just died. It's really, really quiet. And everybody else in the theater is like bleary-eyed and sniffling. 
and these two asshole kids are laughing and you can actually hear me lean over and tell them that if you don't if you don't shut up i'm gonna knock your heads together or something like that it's funny which is something i just i would never do that you know but i did then because it pissed me off so bad but it was funny you can actually hear me say something to, it's hard to make out what i said but it's something about knocking your heads together it's funny but uh, E.T., I actually just watched this a couple weeks ago. I, my, my little one, my eight-year-old, had never seen it. And so we sat and we watched it. And I was amazed how well this movie really, really holds up. I mean, both my oh, yeah. kids loved it. And I was afraid being 1982. And that movie is very topical. I mean, it's very entrenched in 1982. I was it's afraid suburbia. that they wouldn't get it or that they'd think oh this movie's stupid it's you know it's 25 26 years old and they, they just wouldn't appreciate it and they loved it they, they loved it just as much as we loved it when we saw it. so i mean it really held up well i was really surprised but yeah i, I still love that movie i really do about the only the only knock i can put on et the only uh criticism i have is i still cringe at the scene where the government people come in dressed as astronauts and acting astronauts. like they're acting like zombies because they come in and yeah. they're holding their arms out going Ugh! and i'm like what the every time i watch that part i'm like what what the hell it's like a dream sequence or something yeah it's that's a, where the that's where the spielberg that's where some of the negative spielberg stuff started raising its head because it was at this point that he was starting to picture himself as being sort of this this family director and like being the the king of the family moments and the touching interpersonal moments and that and that scene was like you know he wanted he wanted them to seem threatening at first but it didn't work because they it was out of character for them that's not you know the all those pe all those people ended up being sympathetic characters basically soon enough you know they were just doing their job but they were definitely were evil government you know right but um yeah why would they why would they just storm in with their arms held out straight ahead of them and not be saying like you know we've got the place under quarantine i do love that movie though i really i really love that movie and what's funny it's is you know minor quibble everybody everybody cries when he dies some people cry when he leaves i always cry in the part where the older brother goes back to try to find because elliot comes home remember he comes home and right they don't, he's sick yeah he's real sick but they don't know where the creek you know where et is they don't they don't know what happened to him because elliot fell asleep and he wakes up and et's gone there's a scene where the the older brother goes back to try to find him and he goes yeah, he's to like the, you gotta find him he goes to the, the the clearing and he's not there and he's like frantic trying to find him. And then there's a, it cuts to a scene and he's riding on the road and he looks down into like a gully the where culvert. there's like a, like a culvert. And he sees him laying down there and it looks like he's dead. And there's like beavers around him and or raccoons or something raccoons. around him. That scene makes me cry. I, I, I choke up every time it was something where i always identified more with the older brother in that movie for some reason than i did with ellie i guess because we were we were getting closer to that older brother's age yeah we saw that movie. and he was he was funnier he was he you know what he reminded me of like um your uncle randy who or, or your uncle ronnie 
you no, know, those, kind of me and my uncle the, Steven, but yeah, I, I know, I know what you're the saying. Kids, yeah. The kids that were a few years older than yeah. us, and you know, they're singing the rock and roll songs and the cooler kids starting that we were to get cool. Years, yeah, yeah, exactly. I always identified with him more, and I'm, I'm sorry that he didn't go on to bigger and better. You know, the actor that he didn't go on to bigger and better because I, I really liked him. I really thought he was, he had potential to to go somewhere and to my knowledge yeah. he never did sit after that movie but maybe he didn't need to i don't know uh, i met you know that movie was such a worldwide phenomenon maybe everybody made enough money they didn't have to do shit after that one but but i, I liked i identified with him i really liked him and I, I thought all of his moments in the movie were really good i liked that and i liked the part where he there's a real real quiet moment when elliot and et are, are you know I was going to say in the hospital, but, you know, they're they're dying. You know, they're downstairs on the table. Right. And the older brother goes upstairs. And it's a very quiet John Williams. I think it's a piano moment, if I remember right. And the, the older brother goes into E.T.'s hiding space in the in the closet. And, and just sits just there, sits yeah. There, kind of tucks his, tucks his knees up into his chest and just really looks sad and man i'm telling you that that moment chokes me up i really identify with that moment in that movie you know i think we've all had those kind of moments where we just have to find that that little place that reminds us of something better that you know was comforting or yeah. what and i like that i that was a, that's a, but he can only do it when he's alone you know he can only do it when nobody's watching him exit, you know yeah. and then he's like okay i'm gonna do it <laughs> now because he's still too cool yeah I, I like that whole scene i like that whole movie i was i really was yeah. surprised by how it held up and speaking of how it held up i think it's it, it has to be commented that it's an absolute abomination that special edition now I, I haven't seen it. I, I only let me back. I'll tell you the story real real quick on this. Is uh, somebody bought me? I think it was my sister, but somebody bought me a couple of years back. Et on DVD when it first came out on DVD, and they bought me the pan and scan version instead of the widescreen. So I never opened it. And I've had it all these years and never opened the package. Well, somehow or other, E.T. came up in conversation a while back, my boys. Oh, I know what it was. We went to Universal Studios in Florida and rode the E.T. ride. And afterwards, I got to think, my, you know, my kids love this ride and have never seen E.T. You know, they, they, knew him from, yeah. <laughs> they knew him from a theme park attraction. They didn't know the movie. So we finally got around to watching the movie, and I put the, D, the, the tape in, which was widescreen. And sadly, there's something wrong with the tape, and it played like shit. So I popped the tape out, and I was like, God damn it, I don't want to watch this in pan and scan, but this tape's not watchable. So I popped the, the thing open, and it was a two-disc edition, where one disc was the new special edition, and the other disc was the original theatrical edition. So, of course, I'm watching the original theatrical. I'm a purist. So I put that in. Lo and behold, the original theatrical edition in that pan and scan pack was widescreen. So I was like, holy shit, all this time I had no idea that that was widescreen. So it's perfect, you know? So we watched that, loved it and everything. Then the kids went off to bed. And out of curiosity, I popped in the special edition and just kind of fast-forwarded my way through it to see what the uh, what the new things were. Right. Fucking disgraceful, man. Absolutely fucking. I don't know what the hell he was thinking. The E.T. in that looks worse than the CGI Jabba in the Star Wars Special Edition. 
I mean, all of the added in sequence add nothing to the movie. Most of them detract from the movie. And the part, the one part I was hoping was going to be added in, the part where um, Harrison Ford plays the principal, wasn't added in. So I'm like, why, why, why did you go and fuck with this movie? I think fans should have more of an outcry about what was done to E.T. in that, that special edition than all three of the Star Wars trilogy ones that got messed with. I mean, at least they were sort of cool. The the ET thing only detracted from that. I don't, not one Did edition. Did they ever in that release movie. it in the movie theaters? Yeah, that was, was the a... one that came. That was the one that came out when ET Ooh. came back. Twenty. It was either twentieth or twenty fifth anniversary. It came back to theaters, but it was the special edition that came back. And I remember there being a big stink because uh, Drew Barrymore talked Spielberg into having them take all the guns out of the movie. So, oh, so that was Drew Barrymore's idea. Yes, she's a oh. freak, and not in a good way. <laughs> why was, well, why was he? Li- why was he listening to Drew Barrymore? That's to, why oh. did anybody listen to Drew Barrymore? I mean, you know, she's one of those faces that you know you just turn off the the audio and just look at her. You know, she's pretty to listen to, but she she was great in. E.T. <laughs> she, she, you know, she was great as a, as the kid in E.T. And, you know, she's been cute to look at a couple of times. But other than that, I mean, you know, shut up and go away. You know, what what the hell does she know about anything? But that that's my only bad thing to say about E.T. is, I mean, otherwise, I, I love that movie. I, I, I don't, off the top of my head, I can't find fault with the original release of that movie other than that one scene that, that drives me crazy. But I, I love the rest of that movie. And one of uh, one of uh, John Williams' absolutely best scores. I oh, really, it's, that one moves score, me. The score, the score is what puts, like, the end of it is just the most button-pushing combination of visual and music melding together you know as the spaceship slowly closes up slowly takes off and you know it's building and building and building and the 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 you know and by that time everybody's in tears but he just has to drive it in even more by boom it's a rainbow you know oh, you know and the why music else is- and the shots of everybody else but it's totally manipulative but it's in the best way you know it's it's and, it's operatic and that movie is such such a beautiful time capsule of of that era especially you uh-huh. know, like that you know right in 1982 i mean there's so many little things that i love seeing in that movie you know from the older brothers space invaders sure you know he references the arcade game uh, asteroids which i spent you know half a million dollars playing when i was a kid star um, wars figures star wars each figures other. You know, there's, there's star wars uh toys all over his room there's pose he's got a hulk an incredible hulk uh yeah uh what do you call it um switch plate on his on his light going into his room i had one of those when i was a kid you know the uh the red uh hoodie that he wears at the end of the movie when you know yep. the, i had one of those i mean I, I love all that so i mean that's such a time capsule of that of that year of that era you know i mean that that really i mean we identify very well with the kids in that movie because we kids were on those. their bikes oh yeah yeah i biked everywhere when i was a kid yeah, I know. Bikes were a major part of that movie, you know. The bikes were like, you know, I mean, they. Were, I, by the end of it, the bikes are flying, you know. <laughs> I 
I mean, that's just awesome. <laughs> yes. It is. Who didn't Who didn't want to just like take off in their bike and be like? Well, that's that's flying a, over the trees. That's precisely what the attraction at Universal Studios is. You are you are on a bicycle with I don't know four or eight other people, something like that. And you you bicycle as if you're the the children at the end of E.T. and you like fly on bikes through like E.T.'s world. It's like you've gone – I can't remember the whole story, but I only ever wrote it once. But it was pretty cool. It's like you had gone to E.T.'s planet on your bike, I guess, which is actually kind of stupid. <laughs> but it, it was – Sure, why not? It was cool though. I mean you were actually – You can suspend disbelief for a ride at Universal, oh, yeah, you know. Neat. Come on. Well, what I what I liked was at the very – end. you know, at, when you go in – the the queue line for that ride is excruciatingly fucking slow because they take your name. Uh-huh. And the reason they take your name is the last sequence when you're riding through, E.T. personally addresses you and tells you goodbye. So you're, you know, you're going through and you're on it with I'm pretty sure you're you're in a group of eight. I can't remember I know it's a big group, but it's a, it's at least it's at least four people, but I want to say it's eight people. I forget. But anyway, it's a group of people. And as you fly by E.T., you know, he's going, you know, goodbye, Elliot. Goodbye, George. Goodbye, Fred. And I always thought, God, I'd love to go in there and have some fucked up name, you know, like, yeah, goodbye. Well, is it a computer doing it or is it some poor guy who has to imitate E.T.? Uh, and and I'm sure it's a computer because it? it sounds very computer Does- oriented, but it's I mean, it's really uh, I love to go in there and you know, goodbye, Jim Shorts. You know, goodbye. You know, hey, would you blow me? And yeah, you know, I'd love to yeah. put some fucked up name in there just to just to mess with it. And here, I, you know, I'm, I'm ch- put in the name Yellow Brick Road. <laughs> <laughs> that would be. I would like to hear that. That would be funny. All right. Uh, last thing. I think. Uh, last thing I can think of for myself on ET is this is the first time I can remember. Uh, John Williams referencing back himself because there's the part where E.T. on Halloween sees Yoda. Oh, yeah. And, it play- and you know, I didn't and realize you were actually theme. the one that pointed out that to me when we saw it in the theater. You said, hey, that's Yoda's theme. And I, I didn't I didn't catch that. And I, I could be wrong, but I think it's not until uh, uh, Indiana Jones and the, and the Last Crusade when he does it again because he references back to the arc theme yes. Raiders when they see the, the arc picture on the wall i mean of course i mean the star wars reference you know they reference each other and stuff but i'm talking like one franchise rush you know referring back to another i thought that was pretty neat i really liked that well 1941 had the jaws theme in it so oh yeah sure that's oh yeah you're right i forgot all about you you're right well i'm an i'm an idiot i don't know what the hell i'm talking about um you're a freak i'm a freak all right moving on did you have anything I think no I think I think uh, we can safely judge that as a good good Steven Spielberg movie so far they're all good absolutely how about that absolutely I think I think we should take this opportunity break in the Spielberg filmography we've hit an hour and 12 minutes all right we're only we've only just hit E.T. and we've got all these other movies to go (laughs) <laughs> Look at them all there. You know what? This might be a multi-parter. It might be. Th- we might have to take up a couple, 
two or three or four parts. Especially when we get to that special that special movie that's gonna set you off like a oh, like god. a bomb. Oh god. The one I've Alright, let's Alright, let's take uh let's take a break. Attention, attention, important news, attention Here's a quick news item for all you fellow Star Wars freaks out there. It's been virtually confirmed that the long-rumored refurbishment of the Star Wars-based uh, Star Tours attraction at the Disney Hollywood Studios at Walt Disney World Resort is a go. This refurbishment, while possibly just an upgrade, is more likely expected to bring a rather sweeping change to what is considered by some to be a you know, kind of tired and dated attraction. Now, personally, I love the ride just as it is, but I can understand how it might not be connecting with younger fans more familiar with the prequel trilogy. Anyhow, fans may want to schedule a trip in the near future to experience the ride again for what could be the last time in its present incarnation. And if you're a Star Wars fan that has never experienced Star Tours, what the hell's the matter with you? Anyway, I encourage every fan to experience it. It's a total geek-out experience for the serious Star Wars fan, and you need to see it now before the original classic theme goes away. You know, kind of like how we lost uh, Back to the Future uh, over at Universal Studios. Please proceed to part two of episode two, our big Steven Spielberg retrospective, and thanks for listening to Two True Freaks.